yeah, hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Fine Asia, close to Minish Podcast, and the host of the Source Fine Asia YouTube channel. Back with another one, hanging out with my business partner, China Mike. What time is it over there? 1.15 a.m. Central Standard Time in Chicago. It's 2.11 p.m. So the reason why we're still, why Mike is still awake is because we've been dealing with the outbreak of the coronavirus from a sourcing perspective, the need for masks and medical kits and equipment around the world, and you know that the, the immediate need for it and the amount of quantity that we're talking about is so drastic that we have to have somebody awake 24 hours out of the day to be able to respond to potential clients and suppliers and stuff like that. So that's what we're talking about in this video. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. All right, Mike. So for me, we're going to sort of talk about how this has affected you personally. But for me, obviously... I mean, the Philippines, been Manila, we're on lockdown. Uh, I've already touched on how it's affected me in the last three videos that I've done. Uh, so if you want to check out the previous ones, is uh, how the coronavirus has affected business in China, part one, part two, and then the last one was an update, should, which was released like last week. So, no, uh, two weeks ago. No, sorry. It was released yesterday <laughs> as, of, as of March uh, as of March 24th, it was released yesterday. All right, so yeah, maybe Mike, you can start with your side of things. Obviously, well, first and foremost, is anybody who's a follower of SFA and Made in China podcast, we hope that you're doing well. We hope that you and your family are safe. But this has been affecting me from a really early date. So as you guys have heard, a lot of times I talk about the, the basketball stuff that I do. We bring uh, professional players to China to play in tours and uh, money ball games. Uh, biggest, at least the most consistent time of the year for me for the last five to, man, I feel like it's been more. I feel like the last six to seven years I've been in China for Chinese New Year. I used to be uh, playing and going around with my friends, traveling all over to all these small cities and villages to play in basketball games. But the last four years, I've been more on the agent side. And this year, I was really geared up. We had games stretching three and a half weeks. I had, I had commitments from about two dozen guys to, to come out to China. And we started filtering guys out there starting about January 20th. I had three guys in China, had about three to five guys, including myself, who were within 24 hours of getting on a flight. And then I had an additional 10 plus guys who were going to get on a flight within 24 hours. So I think it was around like January 20th we started to hear rumors of like, hey, there's something going on in Wuhan. Like there's this um, pneumonia, people are all getting sick. And then every day we were getting news, every day was getting a little bit more serious. And then 
yeah, I was supposed to fly out around like January 28th. I think it was January 25th, like right before Chinese New Year, they put the total kibosh on all events of assembly throughout the entire country. So had to cancel everything that I had been working on for two and a half, three months and had to immediately seg everybody back to wherever they were coming from, whether it be the States or one guy had to jump back to Singapore. So that was a mess, man. It was a, it's been a disaster on that front. I was supposed to come out to Asia. I was supposed to be in China for a couple of weeks, then possibly re meet up with Rico and in Indonesia or maybe Manila. I had, I had hopes that I'd get to, you know, visit Hong Kong and Thailand on my trip. But yeah, that was a big, big blow to, to the business. And then, you know, as things have started to kind of slowly, ever so slowly get back to, to normal in China, things have started to rapidly deteriorate in other places. And now, like you, I am on, you know, pretty much mandatory house arrest here at the moment. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at, stocked up on food and just confined to the house pretty much. I, I usually find some time to sneak out the back and take a walk and, you know, I'll jump out on the balcony and do my little uh, meditation dance, but I'm, I'm on lockdown much the same like, like everybody else. Yeah. You know, considering what, it, now that it's spreading, it's spread to Europe, obviously it's been really bad in Europe and then it's going, it's spreading to the U S and, and Canada. It created this uh, this need, as you said, things are slowing down. People are going on lockdown, but then they need masks, they need medical supplies, and you know the stuff is coming from China. And China was in a position because they went through it a month ago, month and a half ago. They already started producing a ton of masks for the local population, and that's kind of not, not translated into the masks that are being shipped out. But as I mentioned in the last video, it's like it's interesting because the Chinese government took control of the suppliers that were making like the N95 masks, the ones that, you know, have all the, the certificates to, to be shipped out around the world globally. And then it just created a, you know, a rift, a, a rift in the market where all these other factories that are making other products decided to jump into the game and start producing masks. So let's put, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we start getting inquiries about masks mass being needed from China and you know the first inquiry that we got personally I mean I know Mike was talking to some people as well around the same time but the first inquiry that we got was for 25,000 units to Europe which you know in any regular situation 25,000 units is pretty a pretty decent sized order for most products you know and um, that, that has been the lowest number inquiry of all of them that we've gotten yeah yeah, it's such an unusual situation. Like I, I was, I was, I, I was sending Mike a, a voice message on, on WhatsApp, and I was typing in the order details. Uh, I'm not on. Yeah, I was typing the order details on Slack for medical equipment with this new new um, inquiry that we got. And <laughs> when I was talking about what the client actually wants to order, like the quantities and the sort of requirements, it was like he wants any or all of these products at any or all the quantities that the factories have. <laughs> I was like, I've never typed it. That's, I caught myself mid-message being like, they don't even have, they don't care how much you have, they'll buy everything. I've never been in that situation before. Like, it's it's a same demand for these products all over the entire world and many places, everywhere pretty much, especially here in the US, there's just a mass shortage. And 
you know, people in hospitals and, and necessity industries are putting the word out that they need these, these products desperately. So you have, you know, buyers for those agencies as well as brokers trying to fulfill these orders. And yeah, it's been nuts, man. It's been, you know, we'll get into the China aspect of this whole situation in a second, but from a buyer standpoint, I've never been in a situation like this where we've been getting so many inquiries in such a short amount of time. And the same person who is giving you the information about one order will con you know, he's getting a message from somebody else and then he updates it in the conversation with us. Hey, I just got this other order for 10 times the amount, but we need them in the USA right now, ready to go, or we need them ready to ship tomorrow. Like these just completely unreasonable requests are coming out of everywhere at all times. And it's overwhelming, man. It really is. I can't tell you how, you know, emotionally, I'm sure for everybody, this whole situation's can kind of been like a roller coaster, but then throwing this aspect of what we're doing into the mix has been nuts. And it's just, um, I've slept, but I really haven't slept that much. And I just feel like completely awake almost, almost all hours of the day. And it's, it's been really wild. Yeah. No, I slept probably what, like eight hours in the last three days, you know, yeah. Yeah. maybe a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit less. I tried to sneak in a couple of naps. The thing is I'm not, I'm not a good nap person. Like if I go to sleep, I end up wanting to sleep for three hours. So I can't really do that just been drinking coffee and <laughs> meditating and trying to stay up. But yeah, the, the other thing about this is like you were saying, going back to like the need of the, not just the quantities and how many inquiries, but it's the immediate thing of, we need them in the next 24 hours or we need them in three days. It's like for us, there's the risk aspect of the quantities are very attractive, but, we we have to do our due diligence on these factories and make sure that the you know the product can actually be shipped to the US and all this stuff. And typically that due diligence that we do would take two weeks to accomplish, but now they're trying to condense the due diligence and research into twenty four hours. So it's like I, yeah. and willingness of people to engage i mean engaging with us is one thing at least we uh, have a bit of a presence online we have the ability to jump on a zoom call with someone and break something down maybe a little bit more elegantly than a chinese supplier would but i mean there's people just confirming these details in a couple phone calls and shipping and sending a lot of money <laughs> across yeah. the world in hopes that this stuff is just going to be ready to go and exactly what they want. You know, the, the panic buying that you've seen with consumers in some countries, especially America is, is definitely extending to, to this as well. The toilet paper, all the toilet yeah. paper. That's how it feels, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And you have, that's been a big part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to, I guess, like set up some guidelines or just ease people's expectations a little bit and kind of bring the reality of, of sourcing into, into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like you, we can't skip 
those steps, there's certain steps that maybe I like I was telling I was telling you earlier, it's like maybe we have to do it in a different order. So like while typically we would want to inspect the factory before we paid them for the, uh, an order, maybe in this situation we have to pay them for the order first and then go to the factory to, to be on the ground as uh, as they're producing. It's like things like that that we, and it's ironic because I mean, again, the amount of money that we're talking about is so large that in any other circumstance, I'd be like, there is no way that we're paying this deposit without physically going to the factory first and sitting down with the whole entire team. But just the nature of the situation, the factories are in positions right now where they're just kind of like, well, we're not going to do anything in, until you pay us. Because, you know, we've had 10 inquiries this week and everybody's talking about 100 million, 1 billion and whatever. And then there's no money being put down. So <laughs> an understatement. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh. Or, or and then there's another aspect it, which I don't think you mentioned, which is, um, you know, that due diligence that we usually put in isn't, isn't really even possible right now. So, you know, my instinct in a situation like this, because I've been to so many factories, I've been to so many areas of China, my instinct would be, all right, now I got to get my ass to China. You know, and I'm just on the move. I'm on the go. I got to jump from one factory to another. I got to verify that these people are doing what, what they say. But that's not even a possibility right now. So if you're a foreigner coming into China, you're subject to a mandatory 14-day quarantine, which I don't really know the standards and the setup of that quarantine. And then a lot of these, uh, you know, there's a lot of areas in China that are still, you know, proceeding with extreme caution due to the coronavirus and you're not able to move freely. There's restrictions on your movement. Some of these factories, you know, they have uh, safety standards. They don't just want people coming up into their their factory. You know, they're only uh, allowing the people who work there and they have uh, strict procedures for how people can come in and out of the factory and how you need to operate from Mm -hmm. a cleanliness standpoint. And then, you know, as Rico said, some of these uh, requests, some of these order requests are, are astronomical. They're huge numbers. And the only factories that are, you know, really able to take on that capacity under one roof or under two, two roofs, perhaps, they're state-owned. You know, they're, they're large government-controlled factories. And, you know, a foreigner especially and 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 maybe just a, a a random chinese business person can't just wander up in there and start you know making demands on proof of life videos and and and, and samples you know that that's not how it works yeah i was i was thinking about i was looking down because when you mentioned the quarantine thing uh, i remember that michael michelini from global formation is literally in quarantine as we speak so i wanted to see the update messages which i, I just saw i'll talk Fallon is uh, his blog post about just his journey. Yeah. So uh, going back to the thing that you said is like, if we had a situation like this in the past, the immediate thing would be to to get to China. I mean, the thing that I, I would reference, which I talked about on the YouTube channels, is the fidget spinner situation that happened three years ago. It was mm-hmm. basically this, but on a smaller scale. Like this is times... 10,000 you know times 1 million because it's the entire planet and it's not just a kid's toy it's every age of person that needs this product or these products and, um, and but yeah a, a hobby toy it's a it's yeah. a, something that people's lives depend on so 
that time period when I guess I guess the ridiculousness of that situation was that we had this client who contacted us one month prior said we're looking to buy fidget spinners, ten thousand units or whatever, and then disappeared. And then, and then like about a week before he shows up, he says, "Hey, we're actually looking for you know three hundred thousand fidget spinners, and I'm gonna be there in six in five days. Like, can you can you set up factory visits and all this stuff?" That was also like all hands on deck. We need to get pricing, set up all these inspections and all stuff in the space of five days. And then you flew out for that situation. And then we were with the client for like two days or three days. And we visit you know, 10, 15 different factories in that time period. And then we get the deal done. And it was another one of those where we spent basically 48 hours awake going back and forth with the US and going back and forth with the client and the factory and the factories making phone calls and putting multiple suppliers together and you know where the sales agreement and wire transfers are being made at midnight and you know so it was that it was kind of like what's going on now just but just smaller quantities and just less but yeah I mean that was perfect because we could physically go ourselves we could bring the employees we could have discussions with our staff and the factories face to face and that's just not even an option right now because of uh, because of the virus it's very strange another aspect too is because of all of this uncertainty and because of the fact that there's orders coming in from all angles and you have people like Rico you mentioned that you know or, hey whatever you have if at whatever quantity I'll take it right now, that changes uh, the factory situation rather rapidly. So, so the type of reports we're getting back is, well, what you're asking us right now, I can give you an answer, but that answer might be different this afternoon. This, that might answer might be different in two hours. So, you know, they're telling us that they can't, really guarantee price they really can't guarantee how much stock they're going to have versus how much output they can have uh, day to day and there's a growing concern about the raw materials needed in order to make some of these products as well because the demand is just too high yeah i mean literally we had last night imogen said that the one of the factories had three hundred thousand uh, units in stock and then this morning when she checked well, the 300,000 was gone and they'd increase the pre-unit cost by three cents, you know, and then they said, we might, we might increase the pre-unit cost again by the end of the day. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. So I mean, speaking of quarantine, so Michelini, and I'm sure most people that are following this closely have probably heard how this works. So basically you arrive, they, you know, take all the people, all the foreigners into quarantine, they put you in a hotel. The one thing I'm hearing is that like you really don't have choice a choice as to how much how expensive or how nice the hotel is so i think they keep you there for 48 hours to do the test and then if um and then if you test uh positive or whatever you have to you have to stay and they'll treat you but regardless you have to do 14 days quarantine either you stay in the hotel or if you have proof that you have another address to go to you can do a home quarantine but I think some people are being forced to stay in the hotels and some of these hotels were like five-star hotels that cost, you know, $800 a night and $500 a night and stuff. So that's, that's what I'm also hearing right now is like foreigners are being forced to pay ridiculous sums of money staying in these, in these hotels. You're down on business. So guess what? We're forcing you to stay there tonight. Yeah. So, 
yeah, that's a that's that's a weird one. But yeah, I'd be interested to see what's happening with Michelini as he goes. As as of right now, it seems like when did he send that message? Uh, he just did the test about twenty minutes ago. He did the the coronavirus test. He tried to record. They said no while he was recording. He said he hopes he doesn't get in trouble. Um, they basically just swabbed his throat. And yeah, that's he said he's in a WeChat group with everyone else in the hotel making a video blog. By the way, I want to mention that one of the products we've received inquiries for and we verified that there are a number of suppliers that have them is the coronavirus testing kits that can yeah. um, produce a result within 15 minutes which I know people all over the world would love to get their hands on, but there are some questions as to the legality of A, shipping that out of China and B, shipping that into other countries. So that's a huge aspect to all of this is there's a lot of documentation that's required in order for these things to go in and go out of different countries. So that's proving to be a really big challenge for a lot of these things being processed, which is unfortunate because, you know, people need this stuff and they, they, you know, especially healthcare workers are at such a uh, shortage with protective equipment. So it's, it really sucks, you know, that we can't get this stuff out and there's a lot of red tape along the way that prohibits it. But Unfortunately, that's uh, the nature of the beast and one of the one of the roadblocks that that we're currently dealing with. And I'm hearing um, from from one of my contacts uh, in China that some factories might be able to qualify for like an expedited FDA approval. Because yeah, the reality is like these these are medical the medical kits uh, equipment, especially the the kits and testing kits and stuff like this is stuff that. Usually, usually there's like you said, there's a lot of regulation. Like it's not a product that would be easily shipped, you know. Even for the buyer, sometimes like we wouldn't be allowed to necessarily buy certain products in China and, and send them to the U.S. You know, it's not like buying a a phone case where it's just you know you buy whatever and it doesn't matter if you do QC and it doesn't matter, you know, if um what the, the the product is made from or how it functions and whatever, right? So that's the weirdest thing about this is there's such a huge demand and it's so immediate but we're talking about products that require a lot of certification and documentation to be shipped out of the country. So the biggest issue I think with the testing kits is like, I think there's just going to be fake testing kits. Same thing with the masks is a fake, fake masks that where they're saying this works like this and it doesn't. And you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars could be wasted. Billions maybe could be wasted. So pretty started to hear some horror stories, you know, between the two of us and, uh, our, our clients and our employees were, were talking to so many people day by day. And, you know, they're starting to be some, some horror stories passed around, you know, fake buyers, people who are scamming on the buying side, factories who are presenting themselves as being able to supply some of these products, but they're just, you know, operating under a front. Rico even heard a crazy story about goods that were completed and from ghost, ghost shipment uh <laughs> there's actually two stories factory to wherever they're gonna ship uh, i would guess like a warehouse or a logistics company they got they got stuck up along the way yeah exactly so there was a guy um they purchased a product 
they're they're going to the warehouse, the port warehouse, and they get pulled over by police. And the police say, hey, you know, these masks are fake. We're confiscating them. And then they, they investigated further after the masks were taken and they found out that whoever stopped, whoever stopped them was not, were not police. And they guessed that basically the trading company that they purchased the masks from stole the masks from them to resell them. So, you know, you, you have to be really careful about who you're dealing with. And then on the other side of things, this, this guy was lucky because he didn't actually pay anything. He was a that doesn't live in China anymore, but has, you know, Chinese contacts and stuff. Obviously, some people said, hey, can you help me find masks? And he did that. And the factory asked it, factory told him, hey, we have stock, you know, it's 100%. And luckily, he decided to just send somebody that he knew, a Chinese friend of his, to, to go check out the, the facilities. And when she arrived there, there was basically nothing there. It was like an empty warehouse or whatever. So, you know, you have situations like that where, factories or you know fake suppliers whatever will ask you to pay and then they're just going to disappear with the money so you have to to do a lot of due diligence in this situation but an expedited version of the due diligence unfortunately but yeah man um i guess is there anything else that we we didn't really talk about no i think that was most that you know that gives a good good idea of what what we're dealing with and and the situation overall all the different hurdles that that are going on but i will say that if we had recorded this and you even mentioned it too when you sent me your the last week about the coronavirus you're like man a lot has changed since i did that video and that was just what a handful of days ago so it'll yep. be interesting to see our perspective on this you know even two to three days from now just at the rate of change and the rate that people are contacting us. And it's just, it's got to learn on the fly and you got to adjust on the fly to all of the the changing elements. So it's, um, yeah, it's been, been really interesting, man. Challenging and wild. No, it's wild. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very curious to see where we're going to be seven days from now. Like I'd be very curious to see like what, what our perspective will be, what experiences we've we would have gone through at that stage, yeah, I mean, whether there, we've we've actually processed some orders. Right, there could be a situation where we, in seven days, we processed orders to multiple countries in the yeah. world and getting products to people that need them all over the world. There could be a situation in seven days where Nothing countries being shipped from China. Right, they aren't allowing China. China blocks the shipments for for whatever reason the u.s or canada restriction against chinese goods you know they run out of materials to make a certain certain product like anything is possible right now it's a it's a very volatile situation which you know is a aspect of the the situation as a whole but for everybody but you know this this is magnified i think what do you think is going to happen in the in the? You think in the future there'll be basically like banks of medical supplies around the world for situations like this, like as a contingency? Yeah, I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot of articles on that. I read about South Korea; they were hit with a, a bad virus situation a few years back that they're really unprepared for. And that's one of the reasons why they're the most, they've had the best response to the virus and they've been testing so many people 
and they haven't had to completely shut down from what I've been reading. They haven't had to completely shut down society. They've been administering anywhere from 15, I've read to as much as 30,000 tests a day. And um, they've kept their death rate numbers extremely low and they were far more prepared than, than a lot of countries. And yeah, I think that that's going to, to, to have to happen or, yeah. you know, there's also talks, there's a lot of talks I've seen from U.S. government officials saying that, like, we need to nationalize this immediately, like, you know, in, in the same way that they did with certain businesses and certain industry during World War II with, you know, when, when, when FDR put in the, the New Deal. So, yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell, but it would be it would be surprising moving forward, very surprising to me if it was still set up in the current state of things where one country has so much sway over the output and everything's been being ordered in this just-in-time fashion, you know, because that system doesn't carry over too well when something like this uh, breaks out. Yeah. Because it's like, even if they had the stock and it was all in China, it's like if China's going through the, the disease themselves, they can't yeah. really operate, which is what happened. Like, you know, China was basically shut down for an extra well, month. When it, first happened, when it first happened at the end of January, early February, Chinese people were contacting me yeah. to get Trying to get masks yeah, from outside yeah. of China. Yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, people were shipping, people were shipping masks them. from here via, via DHL to China like you know yeah so yeah. all right um yeah so guys we'll keep you updated <laughs> I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of developments by the end of the day today and by the time we record another video so everybody out there with your situation hope your family's safe and get some sleep Rico I might just take a I might just try and take a power nap but I the thing is I don't want to sleep while you know the project management team is like as we speak there's been some messages already in yeah in the yeah, no, slack channel off left and right but <laughs> two, two a.m here so i'm hoping to get a, at least a few hours in all right man have a have a good uh, night and i guess i'll see you in a few hours <laughs> all right take care